Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Good. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, say, it's going to be a great day. Man, it has been a good day. I don't know about you, but man, just something about saying the name of Jesus. The name of, why don't we just all say it again together? Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord. God, we do. We worship you today, Jesus. We thank you for every good thing that you've done in our life. Today, we come and we set ourselves in agreement, God, with who you are and all you desire to do in and through our lives. We choose today to receive your word, to mix it with faith, to live it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, we're heading to the finish line here in our, um, in our series, Hang 10, principles that you can, that will help move you from being a believer to a disciple. And, um, and we want to be sure that we understand this is more than just about information, right? We're not just trying to gather information. What we're doing is we're welcoming God to come in and to do a work of transformation in our, in our lives. He wants to transform our, our hearts and our lives so that we can really go and be disciples that do what Jesus did, that do what Jesus wants us to do. I mean, how many people really want to be a disciple? I want to be the person who does what Jesus did and does what Jesus wants us to do. And that's, and that's who we are today. We're those people that are saying, God, I want you to come and to work in my life and to have your way in every area of my life. And so thank you guys, Pastor Chris and I really are. We're so excited about and appreciative of the way that you've stepped into this series. I, I really sense that people have kind of caught the momentum of saying, hey, I don't want to just be a believer. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to grow. I want to become like Jesus. I want to be a disciple in every way. So we've only got just a couple of more weeks of our term groups on Wednesday nights. We want to encourage everybody, come on out Wednesday nights. We've been, uh, the, like this next Wednesday night, we'll be talking about what we're discussing here today. Don't miss those Wednesday night term groups, seven o'clock Wednesday night. You'll be glad, you'll be glad that you were there. This past week, Matt uh, Draffin taught just a great, a great teaching, great time, great discussions about community and about being in groups. So we encourage you to come on out and be a part of that. Today, <clears throat> today, we're talking about hanging on to being just and being generous. I've got to tell you that really, since um, we planned this out a number of months ago, I've been very, very excited to get to speak about this. And, and when I read the title, I read it about, you know, to be just and then be generous because we talk about generosity. We've, I was looking forward to that opportunity of getting up here and, and just saying, hey, we, we all need to be more generous. You need to be more generous. You need to give more. You need to, to serve. You need to do more. You, right? And people would have just loved to hear that. They would just love to hear it. You know, as a matter of fact, when I... Um, when I went to uh, India a couple of months ago, the pastor came and he said, hey, Pastor Sam, I'll tell you what I'd really want is I'd like you to speak on tithing to my church. You know, pastors don't like to get up here and talk about tithing because they, you know, then we get accused of all that we ever say, talk about money and, and uh, that's not true, amen? That's not true, amen? We don't always talk about it. We probably don't talk about it enough, but I was really um, honored. I tell him, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I won't just talk about tithing. I'll talk about being generous. And, 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 and I did include tithing in that. And of course, we all know tithing is, a, is not just something in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament principle. You can remember that really easy. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, hey, these things you should do. But 
So I, so I spoke about generosity to the church, and I even got to tell the story. Now, some of you may remember this story back in August. Um, at my birthday, you all um, were so kind and gracious and generous, and you, um, you, gave, you, you had a little money tree, and so I had this, this pocket cash, which um, is kind of an, a, a miraculous thing in, in my life, um, and you'll know why in just a second. And so I had this money, and I took it home, and I, I put this money in the drawer and, uh, where I keep my wallet and you know, my keys and all that stuff. And, and a little while later, I don't know how long ago, a couple of weeks, maybe I went in there to grab the money. I was going to do something. I, I looked, in, and there wasn't quite as much money there. So I was like, Yvette, we've been robbed. Call the police. You know, <laughs> come on. Well, what's going on here? And she said, oh, you know how you've been talking about being generous, how you've been talking about, you know, giving. I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, you know, the kids were here and he needed some and she needed some and I wanted to bless them with some. So I just gave them the money. I said, babe, we've got a breakdown right here. We need to stop. We've got, I said, you can't be generous with other people's money. You got to be generous with your stuff. Amen. So, uh, and she's done really well since then. Of course, I don't leave money laying around anymore, but um <laughs> But I really did. I, 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 I had such an honor to be able to, to talk with the church there and to preach. And it was really seemed kind of weird going to India and preaching on generosity. Because if you do, grew up like I did, that if you didn't eat the food on your plate, it was going to be sent to the starving children in India, right? I mean, you know, there's children over there that would want it. And, but can I tell you, the people received it. The, the pastor said that, that the, the next couple of weeks that they had their, their greatest offerings financially, but also they had their greatest amount of people to sign up to volunteer to serve. And so I thought, man, this is great, God. You really do want us to be generous. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to hang on. We're, we're, we're going to move into and step into being just and to being generous. So with all that in mind, I, I had to process through, well, wait a minute, what does justice and being just have to do with being generous? And the Lord brought a scripture to mind. And the scripture says this, in Matthew chapter five, it says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking here, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be your sons, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Isn't that amazing that God does that? That, that even people who don't deserve his blessings, he blesses. Are anybody here like that today? We're one of those people that he has blessed us over and over and over again? Absolutely. And so it reads on, he says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you, have, what do, you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? He says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, what God's saying to us here is that, that, that justice is connected, has to be connected with our generosity. And it's not just limited to those who are in our group, our tribe. 
A lot of times when I think about justice, and maybe when you think about justice, I think about it having to do with something with penalty, having to do with people getting the the justice, the sentence, the punishment that they deserve. Uh, Rouse in the book that that we're uh, going through on Wednesday nights, he uses this definition. He says that justice, or being just, is both punishing the guilty, but it's also caring for the vulnerable. I like that. That justice isn't just about punishing people, that it's also about blessing people. It's also about rewarding people. You know, because God is just, we received blessing. We received the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ in our lives. One of the, uh, the dictionary definitions of just says this, It says it it refers to him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God and who needs no rectification in his heart or in his life. It says that this person is completely in alignment with God when you're acting with injustice. When, when When you're doing just things, doing right things, doing righteous things, that then you are acting in alignment with who God is. One of the, one of the interesting things I found out was um, in studying this, and we often think about, when we think about God, we think about his mercy. Anybody thankful for the mercy of God? A lot of you should be a lot more thankful for than that. I mean, you're, right? we're thankful. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. You're gracious, you're kind. But you know in the Bible that that God being just is mentioned twice before he's ever recognized as being merciful. You see, God is just, and and God does things well. He does things right, and that's what we want to do. We want to be in alignment with who God is, what he does for us, and what he wants to do in us. Amen? Is that what you want today? Do you want to be like Jesus? you want to be who God has created us to be? So if that's who we're going to be, if we're going to move from stagnating as believers to being wholehearted disciples who hang on to being just and generous, I think there's some areas in our life where some things need to shift. We need to move from from one gear, one place to another. You ready? So let's jump in. Number one, the first place where we're going to have a shift is we're going to have a shift in our heart. We're going to ask God, we're going to open up, we're going to welcome God to do a work of transformation in our heart that, that really, that it impacts our whole life. That God does something inside of us that begins to flow out of us that it makes a difference, a noticeable difference to everybody around us. Specifically, when it comes to, to generosity, I think one of the things that we can begin to understand is that we, much more than just giving because we can, we give because we care. You know, and, and I think that's important because sometimes it's a whole lot easier to give because we don't care than to get involved because we do care. Amen? Anybody ever found it easier to give money than to give yourself, to give your time, to give your energy? Sure we have, okay? So giving is much more than just about, about money. It's about our time. It's about energy. It's about focus. It's about presence. It's about prayer. It's about our whole, our whole lives. So God puts his heart in us so we will care about what he cares about. And what is it that God cares about? Look to the person sitting beside you and go ahead and tell him, say, God cares about you. He really does. God cares. Yeah. Now, now turn to your second choice and tell them too, right? So God, God cares about you. And he cares about everybody. 
So allowing God to make a shift in our heart is allowing God to, to work in us, to, care, to cause us to care beyond our self-imposed barriers. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we all have those barriers. Maybe the barrier in, in our life, your life today, maybe it's a race barrier, okay? Maybe you've, you've aligned some things in your life. Maybe you've had some beliefs or some actions in your life that have caused you to, um, to only care about your group. And, and that's what racism is. It, it's, I just care about what happens to my group, okay? Whether you're white or black, or, or, or and, and let me say this, if you're a white person and all you care about is what goes on with white people, you're a racist, okay? If you're a black person and all you care about is what happens with black people, you're a racist. If you're Hispanic and everybody else can just fall off a cliff and all you care about is what happens with just the, the Hispanic world, you're a racist, and if you're Indian or African or, or if you're a Native American and all you care about is your group, you're racist. That, I mean, that's, that's a simple definition of it. But the love of God, the work of God causes us to care beyond any barrier that we would establish. Maybe it's an economic barrier. You know, the Bible obviously tells us that we are to care for the poor, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a promise that goes on with the scripture. For, I mean, throughout the Bible, God says, hey, my people, people that have my heart, people that are, have, have my presence in them, they are going to care for the poor. They're, they're going to care for people who lack and people who are limited. And you know what? One of the great things that happens when we care for the poor is God says that he will bless, that those that give to the poor, he says, will never lack. You want to never lack, right? Then we're going to act justly and we're going to be generous to the poor. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says this. It says that if you give to the poor, you lend to God. How many people, man, you lend to God. How many people know God pays his bills, right? And he pays good interest rates too. I mean, so as we're doing, as we're going to church under the bridge, as we're going and caring about the poor, caring about those people, we're doing it, okay, not just because we can do it, but we're doing it because we care. I like what um, Timothy says, uh, Paul, Timothy's writing, he says this, he says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. How many people recognize today that everything we have, we receive from God? Everything that we've got, we, we got it from God, okay? We didn't get it of our own strength, our own ability. God gave us the strength. God gave us the ability. God blessed us with it. So then he wants us to enjoy it, all right? Now here's where the rub comes. I think we need to redefine what enjoy means, Okay? For some of us, enjoy means just getting bigger, getting better, getting more, you know? And God, there's no problem with us having stuff, okay? Have a great home, have a great car, have great clothes, that's great. But don't do that to the cost of not being able to care about others, okay? So here, what's, what's Timothy going to say? He says, let them enjoy, verse 18. Let them do good. 
You want to know what enjoyment is? Enjoyment's doing good. Has anybody ever found that to be true? You go and you do something for someone, you help someone, you serve someone, you assist someone, and all of a sudden you find out you're the one that's being blessed. So let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may hold, lay hold on eternal life. You know what God's saying here? He's saying that as you pour out here and now to others, to those in need, you're laying up treasures, you're laying up riches, rewards, both in this life and in eternity. That, 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 that you're already sending things ahead. You're, you're sowing seed that's gonna bring a harvest in your life now and forever. Maybe another barrier that we, um, that we impose upon ourselves is a social barrier. You know, social barriers... Um, are barriers that we put up because somebody might not agree with what we agree with, or somebody might have a, um, you know, we might not like the way somebody does things. Now, I know none of us watch television, right? None of us turn into the newscasts. None of us, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but there really are times when I have to limit that. Do you ever have to just turn the television off because you want to throw things at it? Is that... I'm the only one that does pray, pray, touch our pastor, help us, God, you know? Yeah, we do that. We do that. So social barriers, uh, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to care about people regardless of what their political stance is, regardless of what their social position is, regardless of what their agenda is. You see, we understand that because God has done so much work in our lives that we don't have to agree with people to love people. Come on, church. Okay? Whether they're on the, the, the left side or the right side, the blue side or the red side, right? We don't have to agree with them. I don't have to agree with political agendas or social agendas. or I don't have to agree with people, but I do still get to love them because that's part of being just. You know, here's what, Ze here's what Zechariah says in chapter 7 in the Old Testament. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true judgment. Notice this, judge, okay, justice first, uh, true justice, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion. So justice, mercy, and compassion are all connected. And he says this, he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, do this to everyone to his brother, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the alien or the poor, let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brothers. I think it's important. He begins to say, specifically, there are people that you target, the poor, the widows, the orphans, the fatherless, the alien, the stranger, the poor. So, so what he's saying is to be just is to care about someone, to think about, to do good to someone that's outside of your social setting, out of your situation, out of your position in life. I wonder how we would define this list today. Would it be, um, would it be foster children? I thought I'd hear some big amens here around the church, right? It'd be foster children, maybe homeless people today. Come on, do we, we care about the homeless? Do we love the homeless? Am I at the right place today? Do we care about homeless people? Do you care about home? Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Why? Because God has cared about us.
Church under the bridge, we care about those people. We don't care about just going and giving them a meal. We care about going and giving them Jesus. We care about loving them. We care about, about showing them that they're not, they're not forgotten. They're, they haven't been abandoned. There are people that are care. What about single parents, right? Do we care about them? The battles they fight, the issues that go on in their lives? Well, here, here's one that's been stirring in my heart. What about disenfranchised veterans? You know, man, we got a problem in our, in our society today when there's an epidemic of suicide going on among veterans. You, you and I, guys, God has got us on the face of the earth to make a difference in these issues. I was so thrilled. I heard on the news this week where there was a city that they were so concerned about their veterans that they went and they built a little veteran village, village and were giving the veterans their own tiny home. I'm telling you, that's a just thing. And, and I don't care if the government does it or who does it, that represents the care of God to people. Yeah. It really does. So, so we're, not, we're gonna be that kind of people. What about people that are in slavery? And, and don't think for a minute, folks, that slavery has ended. Slavery is going on all around the world. Slavery is trafficked right through the state of Texas. Human, traffic, human trafficking and people that are in bondage. And what about this, folks? What about people that are lost? Do we care? Do we care about the lost? Have we become desensitized? Have we, as Michaela was saying earlier, have we, have we just kind of got busy and forgot that, that the reason that Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost? And he's entrusted that into our hands. You know, there was a lawyer one day they came and he, he came to Jesus and he says, well, what do I really have to do to inherit this eternal life? And so Jesus lists, he, got, he starts in the, the 10 commandments and he lists out six of these 10 commandments that deal with relationships. And then the, the lawyer says to him, he says, well, I've done all those things, right? And so I like this in Luke 10, chapter 10, verse 29, um, when Jesus says to him, he says, well, why don't you go and, 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 and love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor? And the scripture says, it says, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Do you see what he's trying to do? He wasn't trying to be just like God. He was trying to approve of himself. He was trying to build a barrier and say, I'm okay just the way I am. I, I wonder today, what spirit's in us? Is it the spirit of the lawyer or the spirit of Jesus? Or do we, do we say, hey, I'm okay. And as long as something's not impacting my world, my community, my state. Now, I know that Texas, we don't ever have any problems with this, right? How many people have been praying for succession, right? I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, my bubble was burst when I was told recently that that may not be, a, you know, it's not a reality. But, you know, we, as long as it's not impacting us, then we're okay. Let me tell you, folks. It's not okay when it's impacting others. It really, really isn't. So we need, we need to be more engaged. Geographical barriers, and, and I'm just telling you, we, we cannot allow ourselves to become cynical and hard-hearted and dull in our compassion. And I know it's being forced down our throats every day through the media, we're hearing things. But guys, we've gotta be people by the Spirit of God, with the help of Almighty God, who can say, I care about these situations. I care about these circumstances. This week, Yvette uh, mentioned to me, asked me if I had heard about the situation that was going on in Nigeria. And, and I had not heard about it. 
so I got on and, and began to look at it. And, and maybe you're aware that last week, 280 Christians, 200, 280 Christians were killed. Okay, they were singled out as Christians and killed for their faith. Now, now I, I know a couple of weeks ago that there was a, a tragic situation that happened in a mosque and there were Muslims that were killed and, and that was broadcast all over the place. But, but you know what? This thing about Christians being killed, wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't publicized. But guys, you know what? I'm disturbed that Muslims were killed. I'm really disturbed that Christians were killed. We need to plug into these things. We've got we've to take a step into this. There is a world, there's a genocide going on in the world against Christians today. Thousands upon thousands, this is no exaggeration, of Christians are being martyred every year. And can I say, they're not just Christians, they're your brothers and your sisters. They're your family members. And if that doesn't move our hearts, guys, I'm just telling you, there is something wrong with our hearts so we've, we've got to step in. We, we've, got to, we've got to say, hey, listen, when I hear about this, I'm not just going to flip the page or scroll onto the next thing. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask God, God, what can I do? And, and maybe we can pray. Maybe we can engage some way. And that's not just true on the other side of the world. It's true right here today. Are we familiar? Are we aware of what's going on in Tyler, in East Texas, in America? Do we care about those things or do we just build stronger barriers to protect ourselves? Folks, I, I, listen, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what NCC is already doing. I'm thankful that we are supporting ministries locally and globally. I, I'm so thankful for that. But can I tell you, I believe we can do more. Okay, I, okay whether you believe it or not, we're gonna do more. <laughs> we're gonna do more to reach people for Jesus and to show them his love, amen? So a second thing, shift in our thinking. A shift in your thinking. Years ago, I remember Pastor Corey saying, think about what you think about, right? So, uh, okay, we're gonna, we need that shift in our thinking. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Do, do we understand that? Do we recognize that? The person with the most doesn't win, right? They, they really don't. So, some people, I understand that some people are destroyed because of poverty, but can I tell you, I believe that a whole lot more people are destroyed because of prosperity. I, I mean, I really do. I really believe this. So Paul instructed Timothy to warn the church. He says, now godliness in 1 Timothy chapter 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we carry nothing out. Everybody aware of that, Right? Everybody, did you did all get that? We didn't bring it in and we're not taking it with us, okay? We're not taking it. Look at the person beside you and say, you're not taking it with you, okay? Whatever that thing is, however much of it you've got, you're not taking it with you. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But is, that, is everybody content with food and clothing? I gotta tell you, I'm not always content with food and clothing. Sometimes I want more. Sometimes I want better. Sometimes, and listen, again, I, think that, I don't think that God's concerned about us having stuff just as long as the stuff doesn't have us. So he goes on and he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men, which drown them in their destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay? Money's not evil. The love of it, the greediness, the only being concerned about self. And so rich people have to be aware of this. Rich people, now somebody just went, whoo, that lets me off the hook, right? Well, maybe not. <laughs> so um, in America, has anybody ever heard the term one percenter? Okay, it's bantered about by the politicians and the one percenters this and that and the other. So to be a one percenter in America, statistics tell us that you need a net worth of about $750,000, okay? Or you need to make about $300,000 a year. Okay, that, that's, that's a pretty small target for, for most people. So 1% in America. But when you think about the whole world, a one percenter in the world is someone who makes $32,000 or more in the world. If you make $32,000 a year, you're a one percenter in the world. How many people make $32,000 or more a year? Okay, that, that, I mean, I, I, I hope everybody does. Now, I know, boy, that's dangerous there, getting people to confess things about. Hey, listen, I, I pray everybody makes more than that. We just got to recognize, folks, we are rich. And, and, and so rich people have to beware of covetousness. We have to beware of greediness. We have, we have to not let those things into our, into our hearts because money will not make you content. Okay? It never has throughout history. One of the wealthiest men in the world was asked one time, how much money do you need? What did he say? Just a little bit more, right? Money won't make you content. Only God can do that. Money won't solve your problems. Only God will do that. Amen? It really does. I could preach on that. So the goal is not about wanting more to live better. The goal is about wanting more to give better. Y'all remember the story of the rich young ruler? Okay, and Jesus goes through and the guy says, hey, hey, here I am and I want to live for you. And, and Jesus says, well, here's what you need to do. Follow these rules. And he doesn't mention about the... Um, he doesn't mention about, uh, about covetousness again. And he says this, he said um, to the rich young ruler, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, okay? And then you will follow me and you have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Sell all you have, give to the poor. Justice, again, here in our generosity. But the young man, when he heard, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, surely I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. Pastor Chris and I were having a great theological discussion this week, and we talked about what does that eye of the needle mean? Okay, now there's some dis different uh, theories on it. Some people think it's literally the eye of a sewing or knitting needle. Other people think that maybe it's a little doorway in the, in, uh, the gate of the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, really neither of these, there's, there's, uh, are, are, we think that neither of those are probably accurate. All that we need to know though is for a camel to go through the, anything like that, it means that a transition has to take place, Okay. Interesting fact, I did find out this week that camels cannot crawl. 
their back knees go fold backwards. They can't crawl. So, so all he's saying, Jesus is saying here is, listen, for, the, for this to happen, a transition has to happen. A miracle has to happen. Something special has to happen. For rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven, transition in our hearts, transition in our minds, transition, something miraculous needs to happen. Then that leaves us up a creek, doesn't it? Unless, unless, as Jesus said, when he looked at them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Did we sing a song like that today? But with God, come on, say it with me. With God, all things are possible. So it really is. It's possible to shift the way that we think, to think with the mind of Christ, to think and to care, to act justly and to live and to give generously. Remember now, again, generosity, it's a part of stewardship. It's not just about money. It's about life. It's about life. Amen? It's our third thing. You ready? We'll finish up here real quick. We need a shift, okay? We need a shift in our actions. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 says, when the son of man comes in his glory, can I just go ahead and say, we don't talk a whole lot about it anymore. When I first came to know Jesus, it was every week somebody was saying, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Church, let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. So when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will then sit on the throne of his glory and all of the nations will be gathered together with him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to the ones on his right hand, okay, the sheep, the righteous, the just, he will say to them, Come, you blessed of my Father, into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. I love this scripture. From the foundation of the earth, God's been preparing a place in eternity for you and for me, for the just and for the righteous. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place. How many people know that he's preparing a place for you? Hallelujah. He's got some good stuff. God is a rewarder. And listen who he rewards. He says, and for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous in their confusion are gonna say, wait a minute, Jesus, I don't remember doing that. When did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you as a stranger or naked and clothe you? When were you sick or in prison? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of one of these, you did it to me. You see, being just is caring about people outside of our circle. It's living beyond the barriers, self-imposed or otherwise. Folks, I, I think I know the heart, your heart, the heart of this church. Uh, if Jesus was anywhere in the world today, and, and, and he needed something. And, and we got news of it. He, he needed some help. He needed some, some money. He needed some, some assistance. He needed some... I, I think if Jesus needed anything anywhere in the world, is there anybody in this church that said, man, I'd do everything I could to get it to him? Is, I'm serious. Is there anybody here? I'm, I raise, if, if that's you, raise your hand, all right? Okay. Yeah, we, we would do that. I, I mean, I believe that. Can I tell you that every day, Jesus needs something. Every place you go, everywhere you are is where Jesus wants to be. 
where he wants to show his love and his grace and his kindness and his goodness, where he wants to show people. And, and listen, it's not just, listen, we are, we're doing it to everybody, to the ones that persecute us, the scripture said, to the ones that hate us, to the ones that don't. We still, we, we are gracious and kind. We still give to them. We still care for them because we know that we're caring for him and doing that. And listen, it's not just hungry, thirsty, uh, in prison, naked. It's the lonely. It's the discouraged. It's, it's, and it's right here in the body of Christ. What a great place to begin to practice justice. Right here, caring about people that are not just a part of my family. Don't sit on my row of seats, sit on my side of the church, are in my age demographic. I'm going to care about everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out single or, or married, young or old. That's not going to stop me from stop you from loving each other. Amen? It goes beyond our own little barriers. We're we're going to make friendships, not just know people, high five them, handshake them. We're going to we're going to move into building friendships, and that and that takes an investment. It takes an investment. It takes being generous with our time and our energy. It takes it. It, it just takes time to do that. And folks, can I tell you that's needed in every season of life, whether you're a middle schooler or, or a high schooler or a, or an adult or a, or a single or or, 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 a, or maybe an, an empty nester. <laughs> That's the one I've heard a little bit about lately. A few different people said, man, I'm, my kids are gone and now what? Now who am I? Now what am I? And can I tell you that, that God wants to show how much he cares by letting you show how much you care. Amen? Amen. So what, we can, we, what can we do? I know that we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And one more time I'd say, I believe we can do just a little bit more. Anybody here can do maybe just a little bit more? Just a little bit more? Just a little bit more? I I think we can. I believe that we can develop a habit of looking for and expecting opportunities to be bold and showing and being just and being generous. Um, Has anybody ever seen this uh, television show? It's called um, What Would You Do? Has anybody ever seen that? I know there's only four people in here who watch television, but there, is that, have the rest of you seen this show? It may, it's this guy, um, and they, they set up this hidden camera kind of situation. And it, man, sometimes it, ooh, it just kind of grips you because they, they'll set up this uh, in a restaurant and um, you know, have these hidden cameras and they'll stage it. And so they'll have a husband and wife sitting there and all of a sudden the husband will just start, I can't believe you, you're so stupid and ugly and you're so, you know, and, and, and so people begin to look around and go, oh my gosh, what, a, what is he doing? And should I say something? And then he'll walk out, you know, and, and the wife will be there crying and, 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 and they'll say, does anybody do anything? And, and very, you know, a lot of times people just, oh, that's, oh, that's ugly, I'm sorry that happened. But then there are times when people will get up and they'll come over and they'll say, I'm so sorry. He shouldn't have spoke to you like that. He shouldn't have done that. They'll have a situation where maybe a parent, and if I saw this, somebody saw this in Tyler this week, where a parent was just railing at their kid and, 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 and screaming at them and yelling at them and calling them stupid and all these kind of things. And people just kind of what should I do? And they, they feel awkward and embarrassed. And so a lot of times people don't do anything, but occasionally somebody will do something. They'll, they'll act justly and they'll step in and they'll say, sir, that's not how you should talk to your child. What you're saying is not true. Young man, don't you believe it? You're not stupid. God's got a plan for, I mean, and so, and then 
And then this guy, John, comes out, hi, my name's John, and I'm with this show. And, 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 and there's the cameras and the lights, and, and it's kind of a, a reckoning time. A, you know, it's like, it's gonna be revealed. Folks, there is gonna be a reckoning time. There'll be a day. There'll be a day, a time when, 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 when all the, the curtains are gonna be rolled back and, and we're gonna, it's gonna be say, what did we do? Did, did, we, did, we, did we step in? Did we act? Did we take action? Or did we just protect the awkwardness of our own hearts? Man, I encourage you guys. Let's be that people that step in. Let, 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 let's be willing to go beyond the, the barriers that try to limit us. And let's, let, let's step in with boldness. Let's expect God to give us opportunities to help people in need, to, to act justly on their behalf, to act graciously and kindly and generously on that behalf of people that have needs. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for me. When I had no way, no hope, no help, that nothing I could do on my own, you know what he did? He bore my sins. He, he took, he stepped beyond the boundary of heaven and came to earth to give us life, to give you life. Folks, I believe that God's wanting to release a work of justness and a work of generosity through his people that will absolutely change the world but it's gonna take us being ready to step into it.